Hello, everybody! Welcome back to North Idaho Now. This is episode 193 for December 30th, coming up on the new year, 2023, right on the horizon. Chance Watson bringing you the news today. And this episode is brought to you by the English Funeral Chapel. The family-owned English Funeral Chapel in Post Falls and Coeur d'Alene has been serving the local community for over 80 years. Their compassionate team and licensed funeral professionals know that each service is unique as the person or family planning it. They can accommodate your needs with skill and flexibility, create unique and meaningful ways to help you honor the life of your loved one, and help you through one of life's most challenging times with dignity and respect. English Funeral Chapel is now offering aquamation, also called water cremation. Aquamation is a gentle, eco-friendly alternative to flame cremation. Originally developed by the Mayo Clinic, this revolutionary process is now available to the general public through English Funeral Chapel. For more information, call 1-208-773-3425 for the Post Falls location or 1-208-664-3143 for the Coeur d'Alene location. You can also visit their website at www.englishfuneralchapel.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. Make sure you hit subscribe or like or follow on whatever podcatcher or music app that you listen in on. We are on all of them. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you get every episode as soon as it comes out. And if you like what you hear, leave a nice review. We always appreciate that here at North Idaho Now. Hey, guys, hope you guys have are having, having an awesome week. Coming up on the weekend here, another three-day weekend for everybody coming into the holidays. I uh, hope you guys have some fun New Year's plans. I certainly do. Uh, Going to be at the Coeur d'Alene Resorts. Masquerade. Masquerade party. Masquerade ball? Masquerade party. I think it's I think it's a party. I think that's what it is. But I'm going to go to that. Going to gonna dress up and have some fun there. Don't have much entertainment news or anything. It's been a very busy week for me. I just, I haven't even had time to sit down and watch any sort of anything. Been going, 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 nonstop, have, have everything going on. Uh, mostly also today, uh, recording this, uh, mid, midday around December 30th. Uh, the, the news that an arrest had been made in the Moscow murders. Uh, boy, oh boy. Um, certainly, certainly taking a little while here, but thankfully there's finally an arrest made in the case. Charges are pending. Uh, just, just actually watched the, uh, the live stream coming from Moscow PD and whatnot. Uh, very somber, very somber situation, but it seems like, uh, justice will finally be served in that case. Uh, if you've looked at this guy, uh, to quote a famous comedian of mine, uh, a, a famous comedian that I, I particularly enjoy, uh, you know that there are people that are just photogenically insane. Oh boy, that's uh, that's the that's the fella. I'm not even gonna say his name on this show, but uh, that's definitely the fella that uh, that they arrested. He he definitely has the face of somebody who you would think probably could be be capable of something like this. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he was capable of it and uh, carried it. Well, allegedly, of course, you know, everybody gets their day in court, that kind of thing. But I think when you've got pretty much every law enforcement official in the state of Idaho and a lot of federal resources as well dedicated to this incident. Um, you would hope that uh, they would probably find the right guy. And uh, and in this case, it seems like, uh, especially after uh, hearing the press conference, they seem pretty confident in finding the person. I actually listened to him call into a, a, a true crime podcast not long ago and him talking about some pretty 
pretty dis- disturbing things. Um, you, I'm, I'm sure you guys, uh, internet sleuths out there can, can find that interview. It's, it's on, it's on Twitter at the moment, but, uh, yeah, not, not great. I'm not going to dignify him, uh, by talking about him anymore. Uh, unlike much of social media, I think the, uh, the amateur sleuths out there that, uh, accused a lot of people throughout the investigation, probably, probably owe some people an apology. Um, because as far as I knew, this gentleman wasn't on any of their radars. Uh, go figure who knew, who knew, t- uh, TikTok psychics we're not going to be able to find anybody and that they are just con artists weird crazy how that works <laughs> oh well okay in any case um talking about new year's i uh, once again once we come up on this this is one of those holidays where people like to go out have fun uh and maybe maybe uh take in a couple alcoholic beverages a couple adult pops out there i i know myself i i, I do enjoy the occasional alcohol beverage alcoholic beverage in a social setting uh so uh, a lot of people might be indulging in that type of behavior over the weekend well uh, folks we've got an interview today with idaho State Police Sergeant Justin Scotch, by the way, fantastic name for an officer. Am I right? Like Sergeant Scotch? Come on. That's that's fantastic. Fantastic one, especially since he is talking about with us on the show today, a DUI emphasis they're going to be conducting in both Kootenai and Shoshone counties over the weekend. Uh, just making sure everybody gets home safe, gets back to and from their destinations without uh, any lives lost or injuries or property damage or, uh, well, any sort of behavior that would probably not be becoming of adults or... <laughs> or anybody uh, under the influence of alcohol. So without further ado, we're going to kick it on over to my interview with Sergeant Scotch. Sergeant Scotch, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chance. This is a really cool opportunity. Absolutely. Happy to have you on. Always, always love having law enforcement on the show. Um, Coming up on a busy weekend for you guys, huh? It certainly is. Yeah, we're starting our our New Year's Eve operation. Um, You know, we're out there trailing really trying to keep the roads safe and our highways safe. And we have a lot of agencies that are partnering for this, this long weekend. So we're just going to be out uh, making sure that people are doing the right thing, getting rides home if they're impaired or, um, you know, whatever they can do to make sure that uh, they're keeping the roads safe with the, their driving habits. And we really want to limit and hopefully prevent every kind of serious crash or fatality crash that we can. Absolutely. Sounds like that's a that's a good cause. Uh, is this part of the uh, the famous North Idaho DUI task force? It is. Yes. So um, currently, uh, I've, I've been working with ISP. Actually, January first will be my ten year anniversary. Wow! Congratulations. Um, so, thanks. Yeah. So I run our DUI team. That's uh, roughly three troopers that um, work and, and go out and look for DUIs, and that's their job is to really uh, get those impaired drivers off the roads. We're preventing uh, those really serious crashes. But on top of that, I'm also a member of the North Idaho DUI Task Force. Uh, and that really is a, a culmination of multiple agencies throughout our local area that work together on these emphasis patrols. And again, we go out, typically uh, a lot of them uh, happen during these holiday weekends because that's where we do see an influx of impaired drivers. And we go out and we just try to keep the roads safe the best we can. Gotcha. I, I remember a quote uh, when I first got into this job. I remember a quote. Uh, I was talking to a law enforcement officer out in Shoshone County, and he, and he said that more often than not, DUIs find you. Is that – does it? you think that holds up? You know, I, there is definitely a percentage. I don't think I can put a number on sure, it. Sure, sure. 
uh, you know, if you're out there patrolling on a, we typically work 10 hour shifts. If you're out there working a 10 hour shift, certainly things are going to happen in front of you where you just kind of have that feeling of, okay, this might be an impaired driver. Sure. You know, it's, it's not always that we pull someone over for a, a, an infraction or a driving uh, violation and they happen to be impaired. Sometimes we can just be out there driving along, doing our thing as police officers and something happens in front of us that is sometimes minor in scope. It still needs to be discussed with the person or sometimes it can be very egregious where you go, wow, I can't believe that just happened. You <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You make the traffic stop, you walk up and go, oh, wow, I think I have an impaired driver here. So right. it, it really depends. But yeah, I, I'd say there's there's definitely a, a decent percentage of these stops where it just happens in front of you and you can't believe that you happen to be there. Um, how this situation occurs. Sure. Time, timing is everything, right? Yeah. You know, and it's certainly, you know, on, uh, much like this weekend, New Year's Eve, we, we try to have as many officers uh, throughout the task force working so we can really prevent these crashes and, and these dangerous acts of impaired drivers behind the wheels. So there's certainly a better chance of seeing those things occur. Is is this is this time of year, like with New Year's and whatnot, usually one of, more, one of your more busier times? It is. It certainly is. Um, you know, I can tell you just just ISP, um, you know, with our statistics throughout the year, um, our district, so District 1 is the, our main office is out of Coeur d'Alene, but primarily our office is the five northern counties. Sure. Uh, I checked this number last week, so I know it's higher just because we, we have um, a few more DUI cases at least since I've pulled the numbers, but I, I believe it was 400 and. 75 DUI cases Wow! that our district, just the Idaho state police out of the five Northern counties have investigated this year. Wow. So, uh, you know, you imagine then you have Coeur d'Alene police department, uh, Cootie County, Shoshone County, Post Falls, Rathrum. I can keep naming all these departments. That's sure. a, that's a large amount of impaired drivers that are out there and we're not catching all of them. Right. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a scary number when you think about it. And we have had some, impaired driving related fatality crashes this year. Our main goal is target zero. We want zero fatality crashes or zero, zero impaired driving related crashes throughout the entire state. Right. Oh, that's a, I mean, it's a, it's a good goal to work towards. Do you know what, uh, is it just kind of based on population of where you get the most of those DUI? Like, you know, Kootenai County of the five is going to be the biggest one. Is that usually the County that you receive, you, you get the most DUI arrests in? Just from pulling our statistics this year for ISP, yes, I would say that's correct. Uh, Kootenai County certainly had the highest number, uh, unfortunately. And I don't like to speak high numbers. I wish we would get zero DUI arrests. Sure. But in terms of the five counties, uh, Kootenai County was the highest. And I think that's a you know a big thing is it's a it's a tourist community. A lot we're close to Spokane. A lot of people are coming over to, especially during the holidays, to go downtown. So and and there's a large uh, bar crowd down there. Sure. A lot of bars that are you know open in that area. So certainly that that's going to have an effect. And there's just more people. I mean, there's there's more people sure. in downtown Coeur d'Alene than there are you know in the entirety of Shoshone County. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's very true. You know, and as a task force, we don't we don't always just try to settle in Cooney County. Um, yeah. You know, so especially ISP, we have the ability to work the the other counties, so we can assist those other counties with. Um, you know, certain large scale community events and uh, we'll send our troopers up to those or down to those areas just to help out and assist. And, you know, we certainly do see impaired drivers in those areas as well. 
Sure, absolutely. Well, and another factor can, to consider into all of this, I mean, if you're you know, drinking and driving, already not a good decision, very dangerous decision. Uh, throw, sure. in, throw in North Idaho weather in there, and <laughs> you, you really got a you really got a problem. Yeah, that's it, certainly, especially lately. I'm I'm already sick of this winter, and <laughs> our, our winter our winter hit, and it wasn't even winter yet. So right, I right. Uh, I am ready for it to be over. But I can tell you that it, it's certainly a, a mix, a culmination. You put an impaired driver with the the ice and the the rain that's turning into you know the freezing roads. It's it's a bad mix, very scary, and and again, we're just really trying to limit it. Our target is zero. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I think before we came on the show, we were talking that you guys are going to be targeting uh, Kootenai and Shoshone this time around. Yeah. So uh, starting tonight, actually, uh, the North Idaho DUI task force is going to be out there looking for impaired drivers and and doing everything we can to uh, locate them and get them off the roads. That's going to be tonight. So Friday night and Saturday night, all these agencies will come together. And uh, on top of that, ISP as well as the other agencies, we're still going to be out throughout the entire weekend. So uh, my team started working last night and we're working all the way through Monday uh, in terms of locating impaired drivers. But in terms of the task force, our dedicated uh, operation is starting tonight and we'll go all the way through Saturday night. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, Sergeant, I think that that's all. I think we covered everything. Is there anything else you want to throw in there? No, I just appreciate you having me on the, the podcast. I'm really excited about this, and hopefully we can do this again in the future. Absolutely. We'll definitely be happy to bring you on again. All right. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. We'll chat later. All right. The America's gold and silver-owned Galena Mine in Wallace, Idaho, is currently accepting applications for a variety of positions, both above and underground. America's gold and silver offers competitive wages, a full employee benefit package, which includes medical, dental, vision, life, and disability insurance, PTO, 401k, and a pension plan. To apply for the many positions at the Galena Mine above and below ground, visit www.americasgold.com forward slash careers. All right, folks, let's jump into Coeur d'Alene Post Falls Press headlines for Wednesday, December 28th. Headline, Crime Down in CDA. This is by Bill Bewley. Come Christmas, Porch Pirates Plunder. That's, <laughs> Porch Pirates Plunder? Come on, Bill, that was, that was just, good job. Good job, Bill. They'll wait for a chance to steal packages left outside homes, and they're often successful. According to a recent SafeWise report, 260 million packages nationwide were stolen from porches over the past 12 months. That's 50 million more than last year. But not in Coeur d'Alene. Captain Dave Hagar said that there was no package thefts to reported to police over this holiday season. He said, while that was a little surprising, there are reasons why porch pirates are sailing around the Lake City. Sailing around. Oh, Bill, you're you just, you're, yes, good job. Quote, we work really closely in our community. The ring camera and those things, he said. People, when they see something, they say something. I feel like that's a great benefit to us because they're not afraid to give us a call. Hagar said part one, part one crimes such as arson, assault, burglary, robberies, and thefts were down 65% in 2022 from 2014. They can go lower, Hagar said. Quote, we're not going to rest until we get it down as far as we can go, he said. Hagar said the police department has heard from other cities on a national level, national, uh, national level rather, asking how they are doing it. Quote, people are getting out the word. Hey, don't come to Coeur d'Alene, he said. Our citizens are going to call on you. Businesses are going to call on you. And unlike laws in other states, our prosecutors, our whole legal system, takes these things seriously. It's truly a partnership we have with our community that makes these things happen. 
He said four people from Spokane were er- the Spokane area were recently arrested in an organized shoplifting incident at a large retailer, and a secondary set of charges for related offenses were filed after reviewing the store's video footage. According to the Coeur d'Alene Police Department's website, crimes from January to November 2022 totaled 672, which is down 6.5% from 719 for the same year, uh, same time frame in 2021. Hagar said much of the credit for reduced criminal activity goes to patrol officers. Mayor Jim Hammond noted crime was down while there are more people living in Coeur d'Alene. The population was about 53,000 in 2021. This year, it's around 56,000. Quote, that even raises the significance of those statistics. So thank you very much for your good work, he said. Oh, that's that's good to hear that the crime rate is down. Cops are doing their job and or people just being better people, I guess. Well, can't can't complain with that. Moving on. What a mess. This is also by Bill Bealey. The rain that came down Monday and Tuesday turned what had been a winter wonderland into slushy streets fed by rapidly melting snow. Combine that with a record 50 consecutive days of temperatures under 40 degrees, snapped by a heat wave of 45 degrees Tuesday, and you've got people questioning why they ever moved to Coeur d'Alene. I, <laughs> we can only hope, right? No, just kidding. Just kidding. We welcome everybody. Mostly. Climatologist Cliff Harris said a recent transplant told him they were returning to Scottsdale, Arizona. Quote, there, they had enough this of this, he said. <laughs> well, isn't that the hope? Isn't that what we're all hoping? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It has rained 32.34 inches in Coeur d'Alene this year, about five inches above normal. It rained about half an inch Monday and Tuesday. There were no reports of serious flooding, but the Kootenai County Sheriff's Office said it was monitoring the Coeur d'Alene River in Cataldo and other common flooding areas. Yeah, it's always a problem area in Cataldo. Quote, there's a lot of water, Harris said. I warned everybody about that. He said he said doesn't he doesn't expect another significant snowfall until the January 7th weekend. That happens to be the date of the, quote, let it snow promotion by Clark's Diamond Jewelers on Sherman Avenue. If it snows at least five inches at the Spokane International Airport on January 7th, all purchases at Clark's between November 19th and December 31st will be refunded. Quote, it could happen, Harris said, but Spokane generally receives less snow than Coeur d'Alene. We'll see, he said. That's uh, that's uh, first off cool promotion by Clark's. I'm glad that they keep doing that. And uh, yeah, uh, it has been some very strange weather. Went from bitterly cold and snowy to very warm and melty and slushy. That's that's basically been uh, that's been the 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 normal for last week or so. It seems. Moving on, passenger terminal decision on hold. This by Kay Thornbrew. Kootenai County Commissioners put off a decision Tuesday on whether to approve a 25-year lease for the development of a commercial-use passenger terminal at the Coeur d'Alene Airport pending additional input from legal counsel. The proposed development and ground lease is with the Avports, an airport operation and management company based in Virginia, for approximately 14 acres and a base rent of around $183,000 per year for the first five years. Airport Director Stephen Shergard confirmed Tuesday that the proposed lease had not yet gone before the Airport Advisory Board. Commissioner Leslie Duncan criticized the proposed lease, calling it, quote, bare bones. Furthering on, quote, the county is not sufficiently protected, she said. If the county finds that there is significant reason to not continue, there is no out for the county. There is only an out for the leasee. Under the proposed terms... Avport can terminate the lease during a 180-day due diligence period, provided that no construction on the premises had commenced. The county, meanwhile, can only terminate the lease if Avport fail fails to pay rent or does not begin construction by June 1, 2024. Cooney County Attorney Dave, David Ferguson advised commissioners to engage with outside legal counsel who are more experienced in this area. An attorney with the firm Kaplan 
Kirsch has indicated that the proposed lease is simplistic, Ferguson said, which could be cause for concern. Stephen Anderson, who is on the board of the Coeur d'Alene Airport Association, addressed commissioners when they met Tuesday. Quote, this is the first time we've heard of this lease, he said. It's a substantial lease. It's not a typical ground lease. Frank O'Connell, a pilot and hangar owner, questioned whether a commercial airport so close to Spokane International Airport makes sense, especially given the proximity of residential areas to the Coeur d'Alene Airport, the Coeur d'Alene Airport being in Hayden. Quote, does it make sense to duplicate what is essentially a cost-free service to the residents of Kootenai County, he said. Commissioner Bill Brooks made a motion to approve the lease. Quote, I think we've had all the input we need, he said. The motion did not receive a second. Though Commissioner Chris Filio said he was reluctant to table the discussion, he said more input was needed. The matter will go before the airport advisory board before commissioners reconsider it. All right, jumping to Thursday, December 29th headlines, prime time for potholes. This is by Devin Weeks. As snow and ice recede from roadways during warmer temperatures this winter, potholes and cracks in the pavement will make themselves known. One such trouble zone is the eastbound lane of Highway 53, just as drivers approach Greens Ferry Road north of Post Falls on the way to Ra- into Rathdrum. Oh, I know that stretch well. It's a long stretch of asphalt patches followed by a gaping crack in the pavement that could easily pop a tire. Quote, we're very familiar with that spot as we have patched it once a week the last few weeks, Idaho Transportation Department Public Information Officer Megan John said Tuesday. Quote, we'll continue to keep a close eye on it moving forward. Oh, God, this this time of year when things rapidly freeze and then warm up, man, it's... It's just Pothole City out there right now. Idaho State Police Lieutenant Alan Ashby said that the area as well as as well as stretches Interstate 90 have been problematic this time of year. Quote, it's just that time of the season, Ashby said. Be aware of the ever-changing road conditions. The air temperature may be above freezing, but the pavement is slow to respond to the temperature. The pavement may still be frozen. In the last week, Idaho State Police troopers have had 899 calls for service in the five northern counties, Ashby reported. These calls include slide-offs, A, AAA calls, traffic complaints, injury crashes, property damage crashes, motorist assist, abandoned vehicles, traffic hazards, general law calls, and traffic stops. ISP took two traffic complaints Monday about potholes on westbound I-90 near milepost 63 in the Wallace area, Ashby said. North Idaho's seasonal freeze and thaw pattern is the main factor in the creation of potholes. Every spring, the ITD imposes spring breakup load limits to protect highways by minimizing damage caused by heavier vehicles using these routes during the freeze-thaw cycle. Spring breakup load limits are fairly common in areas with the most severe winter weather, especially eastern and north Idaho. John said that as ice begins to thaw, there are other issues. Quote, flooding is a big concern this week, she said. Last week we had frozen ground. This week we're having rain on snow. We're keeping an eye on that for sure, too. John said individuals who experience car damage from hitting potholes and would like to start a tort claim should call the Idaho Transportation Department office at 208-772-1200. Yep, that's that time of the year. Drive safe, folks, and avoid those potholes. Moving on, much more than socks. This is by Devin Weeks. It was a rough year in 2019. Just before Christmas, Post Falls mom Chantel Avery found herself hospitalized with severe depression. Quote, while I was there, there were several people that nobody knew they were there, Avery, 30, said Tuesday. I just thought, Christmas is going to come and there's no, and there's going to be people there and nobody's going to know that they're there. Avery was home about two weeks before Christmas. She never forgot her fellow patients who would spend the holidays in hospital beds alone in uh, confidential behavior health units away from their loved ones. 
Quote, being there for someone like depre- uh, something like depression is devastating, Avery said. I just couldn't stop thinking about the people who were going to be there on Christmas Day. She also couldn't forget the not-so-comfy hospital-issue hospital socks. As someone who understands the necessity for of mental and physical health and comfort, and who appreciates the significance of knowing someone cares, she began writing notes of encouragement and collecting cozy socks to distribute to patients of the Adult and Youth Behavioral Health units at Kootenai Health. Quote, I thought about the socks because I like a good pair of fuzzy socks, Avery said. I like to think that, think of it as warming feet and warming hearts. Oh, that's, that's just, that's just awesome. Avery distributed about 50 pairs of socks through, through the Kootenai Health Foundation that first year. Now a nonprofit under the moniker Christmas Socks for Hope, the giving has more than doubled. In 2021, she delivered 257 pairs to patients at Kootenai Health and Sacred Heart Medical Center in Spokane. This year, she was back to just Kootenai Health, sending 114 pairs of cozy socks wrapped with words of love with assistance from two big local helpers, Birdie's Pie Shop and Thriverant. Quote, this is a very special gift from Chantel because she knows what these patients are going through, Kootenai Health Foundation Development and Event Supervisor Callie Singleton said. Quote, she is supporting them so they know they're not alone. A member of the, Jesus, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Avery shares her faith, trials, and triumphs in her blog. It's called That We Might Have Joy, Finding Joy in Depression. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and Post Falls Stake President Bradley Moss said Avery has a tender heart and has shown a Christ-like compassion in her work, caring for others through her sock project. Quote, I know these gifts touch people in our community, helping them to know that they aren't alone as they heal, he said. Remembering those in our midst who are struggling with mental health challenges has had a positive impact for many, and I applaud her for doing that. Visit facebook.com forward slash Christmas Socks for Hope for details about Avery's program. What an awesome thing. God, that's people like that around the holidays giving and uh, helping people out in a time of need. Love that. Love to see that. Moving on, one story from Friday, December 30th. Post Falls Chase ends in fatal shooting. This is by Kay Thornbrew. Police apparently shot and killed a person uh, person suspected of intentionally driving a pickup truck into a patrol vehicle Thursday in Post Falls. Officers responded around 8.40 a.m. to a series of hit-and-run crashes in the area of 300 block of Railroad Avenue in Post Falls, according to a Post Falls Police Department news release. A suspect who was located in the 700 block of Spokane Street allegedly rammed a patrol car and fled the scene with police in pursuit. Police said the suspect then ran another patrol vehicle on Interstate 90 at milepost 4. Quote, shots were fired, the news release said. Photos of the scene appeared to show the suspect's vehicle, which was riddled with bullet holes on the driver's side, backed up on top of a patrol car. A body could be seen on the ground with a tarp over it. Quote, no police were shot and no suspects are outstanding, Post Falls Police said in the release. The suspect's name was not made public, nor did, the po- nor did Post Falls Police provide information regarding the fatality. Quote, this is a very fluid investigation, so we are unable to release more details at this time, the department's news release said. Multiple agencies responded to the incident, including the Kootenai County Sheriff's Office, the Coeur d'Alene Police Department, and Idaho State Police. The North Idaho Critical Incident Task Force has been activated to investigate the event. The Coeur d'Alene Police Department has been tasked as the lead agency and will provide further updates. Westbound I-90 was blocked from milepost 5 to milepost 2 for much of Thursday. A detour routed drivers around the incident via State Highway 41 and State Highway 53. The Idaho Transportation Department announced around 3.30 p.m. Thursday that I-90 was reopened to travel. Yeah, it was a crazy incident. I uh, texted a friend of mine to see if he was okay. He was. That was that was good. 
What is your relationship status with your bank? It's time to go steady with Bank CDA. You want local, you want flexible, you want Bank CDA. To learn more, please visit bankcda.com. All right, folks, that takes us north into the Bonner County Daily Bee at a Sandpoint headline for Wednesday, December 28th. Headline, Travers Park Improvements Move Ahead. This is by Carolyn Lobsinger. Work is moving forward on improvements at Travers Park. A survey on what area residents would like to see at the site should be added to the city's website soon, and an open house is planned for just after the new year. Planning and Development Manager Maeve Nevins-Lavatar Lavatar, Lavatar, told the council at at the December 21st meeting. Improvements at the Traverse Centennial Great Northern Sports Complex were identified as a community priority in terms of the city's park system. Among the proposed improvements are the renovation at the parking lot, drainage improvements to the sports fields, and the relocation of the maintenance building, Nevins Lovtar said. City officials are working with Mike Terrell Landscape Architecture to refine the concept design for the Traverse Complex, determine project costs, and help identifying funding opportunities, including the Land Water Conservation Fund grant. While the city plans to apply for the grant next month, how much the city intends to seek in the exact concept are still being fine-tuned, Nevins Lavtar told the council. Nevins Lavtar said she anticipates coming back before the council in mid-January with more information and more detailed costs. A survey will be posted until January 5th for the public to provide feedback about the design. In addition, an open house is planned for January 5th at City Hall from 5 to 7 p.m. to gather additional input and provide information about the project to area residents. The planning and development manager said that the city wants to know how the how the fields are being used, what works and what doesn't, where a multi-use concept might work, and and where it might not. They also want input on whether artificial turf is an option for some of the fields, and whether removable or temporary mounds would add flexibility to some of the fields. A bike park facility would be added to the west side of the park, and a site has been identified as the location for the James Russell Sports Center. While the park is popular year-round, there, quote, are a number of critical deficiencies that limit its be- it being used to its highest efficiency, Sandpoint staff said in a report presented to the council last week. Grading issues cause severe grade changes in the playing surface, primarily the outfields, in some cases as much as 10, 8 to 10 inches. There are similar grade issues on the centennial fields directly to the north of the softball, uh, softball complex, where soccer and baseball occur. In addition, softball, soccer, and baseball fields are so wet in the spring that they are not usable for long periods of time. Correction of the issues will require, quote, significant improvements and corrective measures, officials said in the report. Those measures will be necessary whether the entire complex remains natural grass or some of the fields are converted to an artificial turf. In the report, city officials said converting at least one, at least some of the fields to artificial turf would allow for more efficient drainage and extend field use, both on a daily and seasonal basis. All right, moving on. Jump into 2023 with Polar Bear Plunge. This is also by Carolyn Lobsinger. Ready to jumpstart the new year? Boy Scout Troop 111 has just the thing. It's annual Polar Bear Plunge. Oh, I'm already freezing thinking about it. The annual event held January 1st as a cooperative event by Boy Scout Troop 111 and the City of Spokane, uh, Sandpoints, rather, Parks and Recreation Department attracts dozens of area residents. Some years, there are only a few hardy souls. Others, there can be as many as 100 or more. The event will begin at 11 a.m. at the Sandpoint City Beach Boat Launch, and all are welcome. Along with other stalwart souls, there will be heated changing tents and more to help plungers warm up after their jump into the lake. 
The event is free and open to the public. Sandpoint City Administrator Jennifer Stapleton said the city has processed the special event permit for the plunge. Quote, we're thankful for the warmer temperatures this week for it, she added. The scouts' adoption of the polar bear plunge began in 2015 after the troop heard stories about how Boy Scout Troop 111 leader Phil Velez would water ski on New Year's Day in California. Since it's too cold to water ski in North Idaho on January 1st, the scouts decided to adopt the traditional jump in the lake. Oh, come on. Come on. What's a few degrees? Water ski. Go <laughs> More than 15 scouts took part that first year, with about the same number taking part in 2016. For the troop, it's all about the tradition, doing something fun together and challenging themselves. The troop takes care in settings up the it takes care in setting up the event, arriving several hours earlier to cut the hole in the ice, set up safety equipment, and talk through potential problems. Scouts trained in first aid and the appropriate equipment are on hand and ready to assist any plunger who runs into trouble. Sounds like a very cold time. I have no interest in doing that, but you know what? Folks who are doing it, Godspeed. Kudos to you. Go go have fun. Freezing, freezing your ass off. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's do Friday, December 30th headlines. Headline BGH thanks its best. This is by the Daily Beast staff. Uh, we're going to read a little bit about this. We're not going to go into the full details of every award and that kind of thing, but we are going to hit on, uh, on 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 the winners here and just kind of kind of glance over that. If you want the full story, check it out, BonnerCountyDailyBee.com. It, it is the people who make Bonner General Health the top-notch healthcare facility that it is. Quote, Bonner General Health operates 24 hours a day, serving patients throughout the region and visitors throughout the U.S., Cheryl Ricard, BGH Chief Executive Officer, said. What stands out most about our other healthcare system is the team of people who keep it running. From housekeeper to nurse, cook to physician, admin to tech support, each Bonner General Health team member gives their all each and every day. While many team members deserve recognition, a few extraordinary employees stood out in 2022, not only to their co-workers, but to the community, BGH officials said. Those employees were recognized with special honors this year. Uh, going through some of the awards here, the DAISY Award for Extraordinary Nurses. This award is an international recognition program that honors and celebrates the skillful, compassionate care nurses provide daily. BGH honored three nurses this year for their extraordinary patient care. Uh, the ones honored were Doug Lam Lambrecht, Kiana Fosnes, and Shannon Bistodu. Congratulations, you guys. Moving on, another award, the GEN, the GEM Award for Going the Extra Mile. The GEM Award was created by BGH Leadership to mirror the DAISY Award. It is dedicated to all non-nursing staff who demonstrate excellence in their work. The two GEM Awards were given to Janet Edwards and Michelle Lanziero. Congratulations. With overwhelming support and multiple nominations, Jamie Martinez was named the BGH Employee of the Year. Congratulations to her. The Stephen A. Millard Star Garnet Award. That's the highest honor bestowed upon an individual by the Idaho Hospital Association. The Star Garnet Award recognizes significant career contributions and service to healthcare institutions and associations. After 35 years of service to BGH, CEO Cheryl Ricard was honored at the IHA Annual Conference in Sun Valley in October. Uh, numerous employee, well, 12 employees of the month were recognized in 2022. They included Denise Oslensky, Sasha Koop, Holly Sinkel, Aaron Miller, Rachel Ratkin, Celia Medros, Janae Miller, Sharon Beeman, Terry Miller, Ben Pope, Bryce Cordell, Michelle Whittle, Witt, rather, 
Oh, and that's it. That's it. Michelle Witt. That was the last one. Congratulations to all of you guys. And then lastly, volunteer of the year was Bonnie Blunderstadt. So congratulations to all you guys. You guys are truly essential people. And uh, we, we can't thank you enough for the work that you guys do. If you would like to nominate an employee for Daisy or Gem Award, go online to bonnergeneral.org, click on the tabs labeled Daisy or Gem, and fill out the nomination form. All right, folks, time to jump over to some Shoshone show, show News Press headlines coming out of... Oh, what day was that? Friday! December 30th, I knew that. And you know what? There are no headlines because the Shoshone News Press did their year in review edition. Listing out all the uh, the highlighted stories from throughout the year. Uh, I, I actually highlighted just a couple of these are These are my personal ones that stood out to me. Um, there are obviously all these, you know, if Molly or Josh were on here, they might say something different, but these are just the stories, uh, that kind of stood out to me, uh, in January, look out for 4th of July, a story that I wrote about, uh, local officials and truck drivers warned of dangers on both mountain passes in Shoshone County. Uh, much of the blame being centered on irresponsible truckers, truckers, you got to chain up. You got to be, you got to be safe when you're going over that pass. Uh, in February, Oxendine appointed to Shoshone magistrate seat. Uh, once again, congratulations to Keisha for doing that. Uh, had the pleasure of working with her as the uh, prosecuting attorney in Shoshone for quite a while. Uh, it was great working with her, and she's, she's in my opinion, she's making a great judge so far. Uh, moving into March, back-to-back uh, -to -back Bell, the bartender's ball. Uh, got to write a story about the uh, Wallace-based Silver Corner Bar going out to the uh, bartender's ball competition in Coeur d'Alene and taking home some hardware. That was good for them. Uh, moving to April, here come the fighting hucks. This is one of my favorite April Fool's story. I know I, uh, I know we we all at the news press contributed to this story. Kind of kind of irked a few people, um, but also got a lot of conversations going about local schools in the area. Um, kind of we joked with people about how uh, consolidation of the school districts was happening. Uh, kicked up some conversations in the community. It was definitely a, a fun one to write. Uh, going to May, fifty years later, the news press staff put a lot of time and effort into our fifty uh, year anniversary story of the uh sunshine mine fire um lots of folks uh, got uh got together to recognize that 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 tragic day and uh, honor the honor the folks that we lost on that day Moving on to June, Bordella Museum is a labor of love. This is one of the first stories that Molly and I worked on together. We got to do a, a really cool tour of the uh, Bordella Museum in Wallace. Uh, super cool place and rich history there, for sure. Uh, in July, had a huge addition that was just largely, it was pretty dark. Uh, arrest made in Smelterville murder case. That happened about a block from my old place in Smelterville. Uh, St. Mary's shooting suspect arrested. That was a story that I was covering even before the, the murder happened in Smelterville. And Pinehurst man charged in child abuse case. A lot of a lot of dark, hard news in that edition. It was a, it was a full hands, all hands on deck day out in Shoshone. But uh, we got it done. Got it done. Moving on to August, tapping in on the fun. Uh, Molly and I got to jump up to Bruce Fest up on top of Silver Mountain. That was a great time. Had a, had a good time there, and it was a good story. Moving on to September, Sunshine Mine kicks off drilling exploration program. Loved going to see all the folks over at the Sunshine Mine and uh, getting, a little, getting a little tour of the Conceal Tunnel and seeing what, they, what they've got going on there. Maybe, maybe full operation is in the future. Moving on to October, Chief Amit calls it a career. Uh, Chief Amit with Fire District Number 2 in Shoshone. Uh, great guy. Worked with him uh, the whole six years that I was in Shoshone. Uh, it was a pleasure working with him. Great firefighter. Good guy all around. Uh, hope he has hope he has a good time in retirement. 
Uh, also, and then jumping into December, Sheriff Gunderson retires, Lindsay selected as Sheriff, and Stutsky tapped for SCSO under Sheriff position. Uh, had the pleasure of working with all three of these individuals uh, over the last six years when I was uh, the editor in Shoshone. Uh, Sheriff Gunderson, uh, in my opinion, did a, did a great job. And uh, while he didn't necessarily want to retire, he definitely uh, needed to for health reasons. And uh, I think he's going to be a little bit less stressed out doing that. And and the position is in good hands now. Uh, Holly uh, Holly Lindsay selected as the interim sheriff, and Lance, the former jail captain, moving in as under sheriff. Uh, they've uh, I think the the sheriff's office is in good hands with some good people. So glad glad that happened. All right, folks, time to round out the show with some Bonner's Ferry Herald headlines from Thursday, December 29th. Headline: Hope House to Open Soup Kitchen. This is by Emily Bosung. The Hope House of Boundary County is opening a soup kitchen at the Bonners Ferry Seniors Hospitality Center on Friday starting next month. The first event will be held January 6th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. In July, Ellie and Aunt Eli and Anna Pine took over the stewardship of Hope House, a nonprofit organization providing free clothing, baby, and food items to the Boundary County community. They have been working to expand the nonprofit's ability to provide for community members in need. Eli Pine told the Herald that he that Hope House is starting the soup kitchen because prior to COVID-19, there were several soup kitchens in Bonner's Ferry, and, and he wishes to bring it back. Pine said Hope House has received a free one-year lease to use the senior center for the soup kitchen. This year, Hope House received donations of several pigs and cows and a cow, and a cow, one singular cow, from the Battery County Fair. Pine said the meat will be used at the soup kitchen. Quote, I hope more people will donate to Hope House when they see what the food and donations are used for, he said. He hopes to provide more food options as the program grows and as more donations come in. At this time, Hope House will pay for the meals at the kitchen, but the nonprofit is on a limited budget. There is no qualification to receive food at the soup kitchen. Pine said he hopes the soup kitchen can be geared towards seniors, but added anyone who is hungry can come by. At this time, the plan is to have the soup kitchen open every Friday, but that may change depending on community need and support, he added. Pine said he hopes to have more volunteers to par- and, par- and to partner with other nonprofits and community groups to keep the soup kitchen running smoothly. In the future, the Pines desire to hope house to host more community and family events throughout the year while providing its main service. If you have any questions or want to get involved or volunteer at the soup kitchen or Hope House, contact Hope House on social media or call text at 208 208- 946-9947. Hope House is open for those in need at 5100 Camelot, C-A-M-E-L-O-T, Lane, Duplex A, Moye Springs, on Fridays and Saturdays from 1 to 4 p.m. The Sioux Kitchen will open on January 6th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Regular schedule will be decided based on community need and interest. The Seniors Hospitality Center is located at 6635 Lincoln Street, Bonners Ferry, and is attached to the Veterans of Foreign Wars location. All right, jumping down, couple arrested on drug charges. This is also by Emily Bosung. A couple was arrested on charges of drug possession after they were found stuck in a vehicle on the side of the road in sub-zero temperatures. What fa- When found, one of them was found in the trunk. Okay, we're starting out strong. On December 22nd at w- around 1 a.m., Boundary County Sheriff's Office Deputy David Weon came upon a vehicle with Washington State plates that had slid off the road at Bench Road. Jacob Billy Joseph Mutter. His name is Jacob Billy Joseph Mutter? No, it is not. Oh, three first names. The, the, The cards are already stacked against him. 
Uh, Jacob Billy Joseph Mutter, 29, was in the driver's seat, according to an affidavit. In the document, Weon wrote he informed Mutter he needed to get the vehicle towed because it was a traffic hazard. Weon requested a drug detention uh, detection canine and said based on past experience it is common for drug traffickers to utilize rental cars to transport narcotics and that he was familiar with Mutter's priors. Bonner Surrey Police Department provided backup. Mutter was on a felony probate was on felony probation and consented to a search. In the rear passenger area, Weon found a woman's purse and wallet. He found identification for Crystal Giles, 31, who was wanted on two arrest warrants and is in a relationship with Mutter. When inspecting the trunk, officers found Giles hidden under a blanket, according to the affidavit. After a search of the trunk, court records said that 14 blue pills, a powdery substance, white crystalline substance, marijuana, uh, prescriptions, and drug paraphernalia were discovered. Wow, okay. The affidavit said Mutter and Giles each denied knowledge and ownership of the illegal drugs. Of course, that's those drugs aren't mine. <laughs> what? What is that? Has that ever worked? As I, I would be curious to know if that's ever worked. Those are nah, drugs aren't mine. Not mine. No, I don't. I don't know where. I don't, I've never seen that before in my life. <laughs> Giles said she was in the trunk on her own free will. Yeah, cause, oh man, you know, I just remember growing up always wanting to drive, ride in the trunk. <laughs> uh, both Mutter and Giles were put under arrest for two counts of possession of a controlled substance and a misdemeanor for possession of marijuana. Yeah, that makes sense. The 14 blue pills are suspected to be fentanyl. Makes sense. The white crystal substance tested positive for meth. Also makes sense. Bond is sent for $50,000 for Mutter. Giles had a bench warrant out of Bonner County for failure to appear of an evidentiary hearing. Bond is set at $40,000 and a bench warrant out of Boundary County for failing to appear for a pretrial conference is set at $10,000. Bond is set for $50,000. Both have a preliminary hearing on December 30th. So today they get to go in front of court. That'll be fun for them. Probably probably not. Probably not going to be fun for them. But you know what? Maybe maybe don't have drugs and hide in trunks. That's might your 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 uh possibilities of being in front of a judge will decrease if you don't have drugs and hide in trunks that's that is a quote you can you can write that down like sounds like sound like van wilder write that down write that down very good that's good that's good info for your life everybody all right once again we'd like to thank the english funeral chapel for sponsoring this episode for more information on the services they provide call 1208-773-3425 for the post falls location or 1208-664-3143 for the Coeur d'Alene location you can also visit their website at www.englishfuneralchapel.com all right everybody thanks again for listening in we really appreciate it i hope you guys have a new year see you in 2023 please subscribe to the show and we'll see you we'll see you next year ha 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 ha